Praise God, what an exciting day it is to go into the book of Matthew, the first book in your New Testament. Now, this is an incredible book, as all of the books of the Bible are, but it's really special because it comes right after 400, a little over 400 years of silence from Malachi to the book of Matthew. There's a little over 400 years of silence. You ever been in a room where someone said, shh, may I have your attention, please? Shh, hey, hey, listen up. And that's what Matthew's doing here. He says, shh, God, may I have your attention, please? God is saying, the Messiah is here. The King has come. He's coming in his powerful lineage of David. Amen. All right, so we're going to be looking at some hard names. Um, if I mispronounce some of these names, that's okay. I don't pronounce my nieces and nephews always right either. But, you know, I've got the good old King James Bible. If you have a different version, it will change some of the names to make more uh, sense with the Old Testament. But I'm, I've got the King James Version, so I'm specially blessed with good words to pronounce. And um, I, uh, I love the fact that the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, or Aramaic or Hebrew, and the New Testament written in Greek. And so if you're asking the question, why are the names changed in Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 3, that's because it's written in Greek. In Hebrew, it's written in, uh, in the Old Testament, Hebrew and Aramaic. And so that's the reason and the spelling is different. So as we're reading, we're going to look at some things that are wonderful. In the book of Matthew chapter 1, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. We are preaching verse by verse. We just got done with the book of Revelation, got done with the, ten, with the 12 minor prophets in the Old Testament, book of Zechariah. Now we're looking at the book of Matthew. I have preached verse by verse through every book in the New Testament except for Matthew and Luke. And so when I'm done with Matthew, only Luke will be with me. And so we're beginning with the first verse, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham beget Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and Jacob beget Ju Judas, actually this would be Judah, and his brethren. And, and Judas beget Perez and Zerah and of Thamar, that would be Tamar, and Perez beget Ezram, and Ezram beget Aram, and Aram beget Aminadab, and Aminadab beget Nason, and Nason beget Salmon, and Salmon beget Booz, actually it's, that is Boaz, Rahab and Booz beget Obed, and Ruth and Obed beget Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and, and David the king begat Solomon of her that was that he had been that had been the wife of Uriah. And Solomon begat Roboam, and Roboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat Jehosh Jehoshaphat, actually that's Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat uh, Ozias, which is Uzziah. And Ozias beget Jotham, Jotham, and Jotham beget Azaz, and Azaz beget Ezekias, and Ezekias beget Manassas, and Manassas beget Ammon, and Ammon beget Joseas, and Joseas beget Jehoanias, and 
his brethren about the time they were carried away into Babylon in captivity, of course. And after they were brought to the Babylon, here comes the good names. Jeconias beget Shalathiah. Shalathiah beget Zerubbabel. Actually, that's Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel beget Abihud. And Abihud beget Elikim. And Elikim beget Azar. And Azar beget Zadok. And, and Zadok beget Achim. And Achim beget Eludud. Eludud beget Eliezer, and Eliezer beget Mathan, and Mathan beget Jacob. And Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations from David unto the carrying away into Babylonian captivity are 14 generations, and from the carrying away of Babylon unto Christ are 14 generations. You may now take a breath. Whew. Man, now that we're through the hard part, we're going to look at some things that will help us. I want to use for a subject this morning the generation of Jesus Christ. Maybe seated. The generation of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to begin by saying that notice it says in verse 1 that it is the generation of Jesus Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, Abraham is mentioned, of course, uh, Matthew is speaking to the Jews. He's speaking to the, the um, genealogy of the Jews. So he's making sure that he puts Abraham there. And, and, he, and actually, the kings that are mentioned in this genealogy, the only one that it says king is David, King David. He, that's the only one that the genealogy calls a king here. There are kings. There was Solomon was a king. Others were in here. Uzziah was a king, but it doesn't say king. It just says their name. So this genealogy is about David the king because God promised that his son would come through the lineage of King David. And so someone would ask the question, why isn't the genealogies of Matthew and Luke the same? Short answer. It's supposed to not be the same. It's supposed to be different. That's the way God wanted it. He wanted it different. Because we need to understand that the, the, the genealogy in Matthew is the legal royal line, which goes from King David to Joseph, which is the uh, father of of Jesus. Jesus was his adopted son. God is, of course, the father of Jesus Christ, but Joseph adopted him. You say, how do you, you got any Bible to prove that he adopted him? Well, they said, it's not this Joseph, uh, uh, the son, it's, it's not Jesus, the son of Joseph. So he adopted, um, Joseph adopted Jesus because the real father of Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Amen. Jesus Christ is God. And the Bible is very careful to keep this uh, before our eyes. And so the genealogy of Matthew and Luke are not the same because they're not supposed to be the same. The lineage that you find in Matthew is actually the, the legal royal line for Joseph. And the Luke, it is the royal bloodline for Mary. Now, I think it's interesting, the royal bloodline for Mary, when you come to Mary, the woman isn't the provider of the blood. The father is. That's why a woman can have a baby in her womb and it have a totally different blood type than the mother because the blood type is extended through the father. And so God 
the blood of God pulsated through the person of Jesus Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. And the Bible is so careful to show us that. Now, you might see some discrepancies with Matthew and Luke. The genealogies in Luke chapter 3 are quite different. And the reason they are different is because the genealogy in Matthew chapter 1 is talking about the legal status from Abraham, actually King David, down to Joseph because Joseph was in the legal heritage, the legal we'd call it family tree, down from King David to Joseph. So Joseph was in the line and the legal place of David, the family of David. When you get to the Gospel of Luke, you have the, the, the genealogy of Mary, and it actually goes from King David all the way down to Mary because Mary is also in the same royal line the same, and actually it's the blood, royal bloodline in uh, King David. So God came in the front door and the back door. He came in the front door telling the Jews, Jesus is king. He's your Messiah. He come from the seed of David, come from the seed of Abraham. He, came, he is your Messiah. He has a legal right to be King Jesus. Whether King Jesus had legal right with the Jews or not, that doesn't matter. Jesus, God has legal right to anything he wants because he made it all. Yeah, praise the Lord. And so we look at the genealogy, and I'm, I may want to learn some things today. I, I tell you what, this, I thought, oh, brother, i got to pronounce all them names, got to go through all this stuff. And, I, and when I got to reading it and studying it, I thought, wow, this is incredible. Let's look at Matthew for a minute. We don't know much about Matthew, other than the fact that Matthew was one of the 12 apostles. We also know that Matthew was converted by his own account in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 through 10. Uh, that's where Jesus Christ said to Matthew at the uh, custom receipts, he was a tax collector. Jesus Christ walked by, looked at Matthew and said, come, follow me. Well, you got to understand the impact of that. Matthew was the most despised, despicable human being on the planet. He worked for the IRS. He was a tax collector. And everybody hated him. He was considered, he was considered a, um, a publican. Not a Republican, but a publican. He's considered a, a much difference between the tax collector and the government today. But anyway, you know what I'm saying. I don't want to discourage you at this moment. This is an encouraging house. But nonetheless, Matthew was at his lowest. I believe Matthew, you know, he was, he was dry. He was hurting. And when someone is so low and they're so discouraged and they're so rejected, all it takes is a good old word from Jesus that says, come, follow me. Matthew grabbed that and ran with it. Hallelujah. The King of Kings, the Messiah, has given me an invite to follow him. Glory to God. The world can hate me, but I'm going to follow Jesus Christ. Now, not only does, is Matthew the tax collector and he's converted, but Matthew gave a great feast and gave, all, gave up everything to follow Jesus. Now, Luke says this about Matthew. Luke is the one that says Matthew made a great feast. 
I think it's interesting that Matthew doesn't brag about himself in the book of Matthew. Luke says Matthew made a great feast. He invited all the tax collectors. He invited all those who despised him. He, divided, he, he invited his friends and his enemies, and he brought a great feast. Now, Matthew didn't say, hey, I'm the man that had a big feast and had everybody come over to my house, glory to God, and told everybody, whoo, I'm going to serve Jesus. Matthew doesn't crow like that, but Luke says he did it. Luke says that he did make a great feast, and he called all his friends and enemies. That's in Luke chapter 5, verse 29. And he told them at that, at that great feast, I'm, I've decided to follow Jesus. He probably was the first one to sing that song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Amen? See, you thought somebody in our generation wrote that. Matthew probably wrote it. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And he gave all, and he followed Jesus Christ. Woo! I like that, don't you? I love that. The only thing Matthew says about himself is, I'm one of the apostles. Jesus invited me. And the only thing he said about himself was, I was a tax collector. Matthew chapter 10, verse 3. I'd have found a way to write my book a little more different than that. But the Holy Ghost, you know, when the Holy Ghost is writing the book, you got to listen to the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some of you need to listen to the Holy Ghost. We're talking about the generation of Jesus Christ. Now, notice the first verse says the generation of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say plural. It says the generation of Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus Christ is going to make a new generation. Woo! You see, it says twice in the Bible, once here in Matthew 1.1, the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, but then it says again in Genesis 5.1, this is the book of generations, plural, of Adam. So there are only two places in the Bible where it says this is the book of generations of Adam. And then here in our first verse of chapter 1 of Matthew, this is the book of generation, singular, of Jesus Christ. Now, notice that in Genesis chapter 5, when it starts giving the genealogies of Adam, it gives their names, and then it says, and they died. Right? You read that in chapter 5, all through it. This one was born by this one, and he died. This one had another child, and he died. And this one came here, and he died. And this one you know, was born of Eliezer and Garfunkel or whatever, and he died. But you don't see that in this genealogy. Why? Because Jesus Christ said, if you follow him, you'll never die. Jesus Christ is the God of the living, not the God of the dead. And you'll notice when Jesus Christ showed up, he showed up to put an end to death. And that's why this is the book of generation. The book of Adam, the book of generations of Adam is a book of death. But the book of the generation of Jesus Christ is the book of life. You read over and over in Genesis 5, and he died, and he died, and he died, and he died. But wait a minute, came up on a guy called Enoch, and he didn't die. He was caught up to meet Jesus, caught up to meet God. He didn't die. They looked for him, but couldn't find him. Picture of the rapture of the church. 
one day we'll be caught up. And so Jesus Christ come to make a new generation, a royal priesthood, as Peter says, a holy nation. And Jesus Christ come to bring us life and that we could have life more abundantly and that we would never die. Oh, we might expire physically, but we just transfer from the physical body into the very presence of God. But one day there'll be a whole group of us that will be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air that will never die. He said, well, Jesus didn't talk about that. He didn't. Just outside of Bethany in the cemetery where Lazarus was in the tomb. Remember Jesus said to Martha in chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. That's people that are in the grave that will rise up. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Rapture. So there's going to be a group of us going to get out of here without physically dying. But if, we're, if our body gives up on us, God will never. Hello. If our body gives up on us, God will never. And so this is the generation of Jesus Christ. Wow, light came into the world. Happiness came into the world. He's, a, he's building a new generation. I'm looking at some people in this room that you're part of that new generation. You're not part of the old generations. You are part of a new generation. Singular. We're all one in Christ. We're all, uh, we're all blessed in Christ. We all live in Christ. We are one in the precious power of Jesus Christ. Just thought I'd stop there so you could shout a little bit. Just, uh, just thought I'd stop there for a moment. See if you couldn't get a little starch out of your underwear for a minute. Yeah. Woo. I wouldn't put that on shorts because it wouldn't go good. <laughs> Only Josh knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> Only Josh is with me. <laughs> in these genealogies, there are four women mentioned. Now, in that day, women were possessions. They were not part of what they considered. The man actually owned them in those days. Now the women own the man. But anyway, move right along. But, but the issue is the genealogy, they never included women in genealogy. But Matthew says, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slip in some women in here. Good old Matthew. You say, what does Matthew mean? The name means a gift to God. Good old Matthew, a gift to God. And so there's four women in this genealogy that Matthew mentions. Tamar is one. Rahab, Tamar's in verse three. Rahab in verse five. Ruth in verse five. And Bathsheba in verse six. Isn't that good? Those are the four women that's mentioned in this genealogy. Let's look at those four women for just a minute. First of all, Tamar was a daughter-in-law to Judah. Judah, if you want to read this story, and it's a sordid story, it's in Genesis 38. And the word Judas there, J-U-D-A-S is Judah. And the story of this is in Genesis chapter 38. And Tamar is 
Judas' daughter-in-law. And Judas' son dies. And so Tamar wants a husband of the same family. Judah says, I'll let you have my little boy, but you got to wait till he grows up. And so Tamar is in her widow, widow's garb, and she's mourning, and the little boy grows up, and Judah gives the little boy grown up to somebody else. He married somebody else. Now Tamar was angry. And Tamar takes her widow's garment off, and she puts on the garments that look like a harlot. She heard that Judah was going to go down to Timnath, same place Samson went. And she went down to Timnath because she knew Judah was on a trip down there. And so she dresses up like a harlot. She sits on the corner, and she waits for Judah to come by. And she lures Judah in through prostitution. And Judah said, what do you want? And she said, well, ah. he said, I'll give you a kid. I'll give you a, a sheep if you let me have sexual relations with you. And she said, nah. He said, I want your bracelet on your hand. I, I want your staff. I want some of your person. And what she did was she wanted to have children to the family. And she wasn't able to remarry anyone in the family. So she deceives Judah and takes Judah in and they have a and a, a sexual encounter, and Tamar becomes pregnant with twins. When Tamar's about three months along, she's starting to protrude out there. Judah says, we're going to kill her because she's been mischievous. She's been committing adultery. And so Tamar says, okay, we'll meet up with Judah. And, Ju and when Tamar comes to Judah, and Judah's going to give an accusation, she says, Look at this bracelet. You wonder where I got it? Look at this staff. Can you wonder where I got it? And Judah said, whoa. She has conned me. She has beat me. Woo, she's more righteous than I. Well, Tamar has twins. And out of those twins come uh, a union which was actually the Moabites and the Ammonites. One child was named Moab, the other child, um, no, that's Ruth. She, she had a Canaanite child uh, through the Jewish heritage. Tamar was, Tamar was not a Canaanite. Tamar was a Jew. Let me, I'm getting Ruth mixed up with Tamar. Tamar Ruth, well, would you forgive me, Ruth? So it's Tamar. So Tamar has a kind of a, cloudy path. Kind of looks like the family tree's got a rotten apple somewhere. Right? Now don't look at me like that. Your family tree's got rotten apples too. Amen? You may be one of them wormy things. I don't know. But every tree has a few rotten apples. So there's Tamar. She, uh, she was, uh, and actually Judah was the fourth son of, um, of Jacob. Genesis 49 says that out of Judah would come the Messiah. Out of Judah would, let's go to Genesis 49 verse 10 for a minute. Judah, Psalm 49 verse 
10, back up to verse 9. Judah is a lion's whelp. Jacob is prophesying from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down and he crouched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall arouse him up? And the scepter shall not depart from his feet until Shiloh come and until him shall be the gathering of, of thy people be. So he was promised that the king would come out of Judah. So that's why um, Matthew made sure Judah was included in this this, this lineage. Also in Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, John says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David prevail, has prevailed to open the book and loose the seals thereof. So automatically we're seeing that Tamar, there was some, there was some bad stuff going on with, with Judah. He wasn't without flaw. He had problems. I mean, anyway, Abraham was not without flaw either. You know, Abraham's traveling through Egypt. A Pharaoh sees Abraham's wife. And I mean, Sarah is a knockoff. I mean, she is gorgeous. She's drop-dead gorgeous. And Abraham's traveling across the country, and this king, Pharaoh, sees this gorgeous woman with Abraham. Well, in those days, a king wouldn't marry a woman if she's already married to somebody else. But a powerful king would make sure that they met their untimely death. Because if he killed them, then they would be available. So if the king knocked Abraham off, then he could have Sarah, the beauty. And so Abraham, to save his own neck, says, not my wife, it's my sister. Now he said that twice. He said it to another king, an Amorite king, Canaanite king. This is not my, my wife, this is my sister. Now, he was telling true, but a half-truth. He was telling a half a lie, half-truth. Because his daddy had uh, another, uh, had uh, Sarah. And Sarah was, and, and Abraham was from the same daddy, a different mom, but the same daddy. And so that made Abraham's wife his half-sister. That means that they were from Arkansas. <laughs> or Chadwick or Bruner. Stop, preacher, stop. Have I got your attention yet? So Abraham was not flawless, and Isaac was a deceiver. Or Jacob, rather, not Isaac. Jacob was a deceiver. Isaac was all right. Isaac was a, was a good guy. Jacob was a deceiver. And Judah was a womanizer. Judas begat Perez and Zara and Tamar. And Perez begat Ezram, verse 3. And uh, Ezram begat Aram. So, your first woman was Tamar. The second one is Rahab. And that's in verse 5. And Rahab is a Canaanite. And Rahab gets the promise from the Israel, the, the spies, that she would not be destroyed. And Rahab comes back with them after the battle of Jericho. And Rahab joins in. Rahab is a Canaanite. And Rahab, being a Canaanite, married a guy by the name of Salmon. Salmon thought Rahab was gorgeous. Rahab was a harlot. So we have a womanizer. We have a liar, Abraham. We have 
uh, an embezzler, a deceiver, uh, Jacob. We have, um, we have uh, Judah, who is a womanizer. We, we have uh, um, here uh, Rahab, who is a Canaanite, who is a harlot. This is in genealogies. Then you have Ruth, who is a Moabite. Ruth was a good woman. Ruth was a wonderful woman in verse 5. She was a Moabite. And the Bible declared that no, no Moabite would be able to be between the congregation of Israel. And so you've got a problem. There are several problems here in this genealogy. And God said no Moabite would be allowed to be in the congregation of the Jewish congregation. But notice that Ruth was a descendant of Lot. And Lot, how many know the story about Lot? Genesis 19, all Moabites and uh, Ammonites came from incest, from Lot, who, had, who his daughters got him drunk in Genesis 19 and had sexual relations because the two girls thought that they had to keep the seed going, had to keep the line going, the family going. So they get Lot drunk and Lot has sexual relationships with his two daughters. Actually, probably uh, a, a sad deal. And they named the two Moab and Benayim. And that means Ammon. So Ruth was a Moabite. Ruth was a, an amazing woman. And she said, she said when they got ready to leave or depart, Naomi and them got ready to leave, she said, no, no, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I'll go with you. I'll die there. I'll, I have given my life to you. And so she's part of this genealogy. Then there's Bathsheba. Everybody knows about Bathsheba. She's taking a bath on a rooftop. King David's eyes go boing. Like, when, you, know, like you see in the cartoon, you know, the skunk sees a pretty kitty cat. And I'm eyeballs. So, never mind. <laughs> Bathsheba's a beautiful woman. King David says, I got to have her. He's saying, well, who is this gorgeous woman? And they said, well, that's the wife of Uriah. He's out there fighting in a battle. King David says, go get her. And his servants went and got Bathsheba, and they had adulterous affair. They had sexual relationship. I'm not sure how much Bathsheba was in party to this because you didn't tell the king no. But nonetheless, she got pregnant. And we know the truth about David. Here comes David. David is a murderer. David is a liar. David is an adulterer. But he's the king, David, a man after God's own heart. There's hope for you. I said, there's hope for you. He killed Uriah so that he could have Bathsheba. And he killed Uriah so he could have Bathsheba. And then when he heard Uriah's dead, he's, oh, no, that's so bad. You got to go get Bathsheba. I need to comfort her, comfort her. You talk about a scumbag. David was a scumbag right there. There's hope for you. Let me say that again. There's hope for you. God is a savior to sinners. And he seen to it that his genealogy was a, it, the tree had a lot of bad apples. The tree had a lot of bad apples. I want to start by simply saying this. Your genealogy, your family may have a lot of bad apples. But I want you to know that though your family tree might have a lot of bad apples, you can be an outstanding child of God. 
You can be what God's called you to be. It doesn't matter what your mom and dad did. It doesn't matter what your siblings done. It doesn't matter what your grandparents done. It doesn't matter what your tree is. As long as you meet Jesus Christ, who is the tree of life, and you turn to Jesus Christ, it makes no difference how bad your past is. makes no difference how bad your family's been. makes no difference how wicked your family has been. You do not have to comply. You do not have to be like them. You can be a success just like Jesus Christ. It's a success. I mean, Jesus dropped out of this tree into humanity. He's the Son of God. Isn't that beautiful? And of course, Joseph adopted him, but his father is God. We'll be looking at some of that more interesting stuff as we get into the book of Matthew. But I want you to notice in verse 11, there's something I want to point out. Verse 11 says, And Ezekiel beget Manasseh, and Manasseh beget Ammon. By the way, Manasseh was a horrible person. Ammon beget Josiah. Look at verse 11. And Josiah, Josiah beget Jeconias, and his brethren at the time of the Babylonian captivity. Now, Jeconias happens to be Jehoiakim. That's his name, Jehoiakim. He goes by this name, but his name was Jehoiakim. You find it in Jeremiah 36, verse 30. Go to Jeremiah 36, verse 30. Jeremiah 36, verse 30. Here's what God, Jehoiakim was a bad guy. In fact, Jehoiakim was so bad that when Jeremiah went to tell him that Israel is going to be conquered by Babylon. Jehoiakim cut the word of God, cut the scrolls of Jeremiah, and burned them in the fire. It's wicked. And here's what God said about Jehoiakim. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of, of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have none to sit upon the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out in the day to the heat, and in the night to the frost. And that's what happened to Jehoiakim. And he did not have a son to reign on the throne of David. That doesn't mean Jehoiakim didn't have children. It just means he didn't have any child to sit on the throne. God said, never going to happen. Now with that statement, we got a real problem with this genealogy. So God says, okay, we'll go in the back door. We'll go through Mary. You see, the genealogy of Joseph or Jesus through down to Joseph was the legal right to kingship. And so because of the, the royal line, Jesus had the legal right to kingship as the son of David. The Jews really didn't care a whole lot about Jehoiakim, what he did, oh, they cared, but they were more interested in the, you know, what was in the books at the Sanhedrin. They were more interested, you know, you needed to be able to prove who you were. In our days, you got to be able to prove to IRS that you are not somebody. In our day, if someone dies, you got to go to the government and prove they're dead. In fact, I went to the Social Security Department uh, when I got ready to draw a check, and they said, we need your birth certificate. And I said, can't you take my word for that? I was born. 
Obviously, behind this window is a real live, breathing human being. Oh, we got to have your birth certificate. I said, what you want is my excuse to be here. But in those days, they memorized everything. They mem- That's why he says in the verse 12, uh, generation 14, generation 14, generations 14, they memorized it. They memorized who they were, who their descendants were, they memorized. It's memorization. They didn't have, and of course I realized the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees had certain um, certain documents saying what tribe was white, uh, right and who belonged to what tribe. But the truth is, uh, you needed to memorize your family tree so that when it came down to tribal land, you could prove that it was your land. To tribal descendants, to tribes, you had to prove that it was your land. Also, if you're going to be a priest, you had to prove your whole life and all the, the uh, genealogy from Aaron down in order to be a priest in the temple. So you had to memorize that. And if you couldn't come up with that, you were in trouble. And then so much more do we need a genealogy to prove that Jesus Christ is of the royal line. And he was to Joseph and also through Mary of the royal line, the bloodline. Isn't that beautiful? You thought genealogists were boring. They're not. I'm the one boring, not the genealogists. Bad apples on the tree. Uh, Jehoiakim was a bad guy. And so that made a real problem. So we need to just say again, Matthew is the legal royal line down to Joseph. Joseph was the one who adopted Jesus Christ. And then Luke is the royal bloodline to Mary. And so if you'll notice, it always says King David, King David, King David, because he's trying to hook up with Jewish people. Uh, Let me just make a few observations before we close this sermon. Matthew is speaking to the Jews. Matthew's talking to the Jews because Matthew means king of kings and lord of lords. Matthew portrays Jesus as the king. Mark portrays Jesus as the servant, the lowly servant. Luke portrays Jesus as the son of man, walked with us, among us. John portrays Jesus as the son of God, God in flesh. So Matthew speaks to the Jews. Mark speaks to the Romans, meaning action. Luke speaks to the Greeks. And John speaks to the whole world. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Matthew talks about what Jesus said. Mark talks about what Jesus did. Luke talks about what Jesus felt. And John talks about who Jesus is. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? You stop and think about it. That is an amazing stuff. And so we need to understand today that it makes no difference what has been in your family tree. You're going to answer to God for you, not the one on the top branch. Amen? Let me say this. None of my relatives were, were monkeys. They didn't evolve into what we are today. I never had, a, never had an ancestor hang by the tail from a tree. I had some probably hung by the neck till dead, but never any monkeys. Amen? The professor, 
said, I once was a tadpole long and thin. Then I was a bullfrog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey swinging from a tree. And now I'm a professor with a PhD. Well, that's just absolutely insane. Right? I said, right? I know you're not supposed to say you're right. You're supposed to say, amen. Yeah. And so let me just conclude our message today about the family tree. Because your family tree may be pitiful. In fact, you may be one of those apples that's got a worm in it. But Jesus can deworm you. I know that's not good, good vocal analogy, but it's true. Amen? I've seen a guy so skinny, he eat everything he wanted and never get fat. You ever met people that's so skinny, they eat anything they want and never get fat? And I had a guy bragging at me at Golden Crow the other day. I, I can eat all I want and never get fat. He says, see all this food? I can eat all I want and never get fat. And I looked at him and said, that just tells me one thing. He said, what? I said, you're wormy. <laughs> he went like this. <laughs> he didn't like what I, my conclusion. But anyway. But we need to understand that no matter what your tree, your family tree, no matter, you know, just because your daddy wasted his life, just because your mother or grandparents wasted their life, doesn't mean you have to. Just because your family, you know, we need to break the chain. Just because your family is always, break the chain. You don't have to be like the generations before you. You can be a new generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, to the blood and to the power of Jesus Christ. And so when Matthew talks about the legal application, yet there was a problem, Luke comes and talks about the bloodline where it's not from Solomon down to Mary, it's from Nathan, another son of David, down to Mary. And even in Mary's genealogy, they were some duds. But remember this. You can always hear the words of Jesus Christ as low as you've become, as, as hard as it's hit you, as much trouble as you've had. You can always hear the words of Jesus Christ. Come, follow me. And I want to say to everybody in this room, it makes no difference what your past has been. It makes no difference what your family past has been. It makes no difference what your family tree says. Jesus had all these mix-ups and bad apples on the tree, but Jesus Christ come, and thank God he became the last Adam where we can say we are alive, not die, in Adam of the earth, all die, but in the second or the last Adam, Jesus Christ, all live. And you can say to yourself right now, I don't have to be a failure. I don't have to walk out of this house a failure. I don't have to walk out of this house a scum. I don't have to walk out of this house defeated. I don't have to leave this church down in despair because I 
have Jesus Christ and he balances the scale. He, he actually, he tips them on my behalf. He brings to me eternal life. He saves my soul from hell. He washes my sins away. He gives me a new future. I can follow him and love him and I shall never die because this is the generation of Jesus Christ. And I want to say to everybody in this room, this is the generation of Jesus Christ. This is not the generations of Adam and they all died. This is the generation of Jesus Christ. Are you listening to me? And I said earlier, it talked about from, what was it, from Abraham to David, 14 generations, from David to the Babylonian captivity, 14 generations, from the Babylonian captivity to, to um to Jesus Christ, 14 generations, and we look at 14, 14, 14 generations. And the truth is there were more than 14 generations in those sections, but David was trying to point out something. He was trying to show you you need to memorize where you're at. Well, I decided I'd memorize one name in the generation, Jesus. It's all neat. My family tree starts here. Jesus. That's where my family tree starts. Jesus. Now I love my I love my forefathers. I love my mom. I love my dad. I love my grandparents. I love love my siblings. I love my family. But I don't have to be like any of them that's sideways. In fact, I don't even have to be like any of them that's good. I can be better. I have Jesus. Amen. You can be better. You can decide right now. If Jesus Christ could fall out of that family tree with all that mess in it, I can come to Jesus Christ and I can be of a new generation and I can be someone that can live for God, love God, serve God, and my past don't matter. And what I've done in the past doesn't matter. And what, my, what people think of me doesn't matter. What people said about me or is saying about me doesn't matter. All that matters is you are of the generation of Jesus Christ. Get on board, hang on, and walk with Jesus and hear the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter nine. Come, follow me. Now, next Sunday morning, we're going to take up the birth of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's wonderful. But I, I just, how many would agree reading the genealogies is pretty smart? Pretty smart. It gives you a great opportunity to mispronounce names. It's really good. And you don't mind mispronouncing them because nobody else knows how to speak them either. Oh, you got them people that think they know everything. And I happen to know they don't know everything. I happen to know in the tree, they're not the shiniest apple. Amen? So I'm going to give you an invitation. Come and follow Jesus Christ. That's the invitation I want to give to you today. It's early. It's not even close to 12. I'll give you 15 minutes. And if you need to take five hours, take them. Just make sure that your life begins at the tree of life. His name is Jesus Christ. You are part of a generation, the generation of Jesus Christ. And the generation of Jesus Christ will never burn in hell. 
The generation of Jesus Christ will always be victorious. The generation of Jesus Christ is forgiven of their sin. The generation of Jesus Christ is healed physically, spiritually, and mentally. The blood of Jesus Christ purges our sin, gives us eternal life. The generation of Jesus Christ can begin right there where you're sitting. You can start a brand new tree. Start a brand new tree and begin with Jesus Christ. Let the root of David come forth. Let the line of the tribe of Judah come forth. Let Jesus Christ rise in your heart. Say, I don't understand everything in the Bible. Shoot, you don't understand everything on the news. At least you can know the Bible's not lying to you. Well, I don't understand the old two tribes. Listen, your ignorance is no excuse to be a failure. If that were true, I would be a failure immediately. I'm not the brightest trail in the box. But I have enough sense to know that when you start with the generation of Jesus Christ, you're on a whole new playing field. You're on a whole new war zone. Amen? It makes no difference what people said about you. It makes no difference what people say about you. It makes no difference what you say. Well, people won't forgive me. Jesus will. Hello? So when I, I, I'm struggling with addiction. Jesus will take care of that. Amen? You know, I can tell you how to overcome addiction. First of all, quit being so whiny about yourself. Quit feeling so sad and sorry about yourself. Oh, that's part of addiction. Did you know that? Oh, I'm so bad. Give me, give me something to take. Give me something to drink. I, I'm just hurting so bad. Let me give you a little tip. <laughs> if you want to break addiction, quit being a whiny or a wino or a wino or a smokeaholic or whatever. Just stop. You know, I just can't do it. You can do it if... Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do it if you start with a new generation. That new generation is Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. I know what I'm talking about. I know the power of God to deliver is there. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to everyone that believes it, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Jesus Christ is my Savior. I believe in him. He delivers. He's an awesome God. You can overcome addiction if you'll get addicted to the Word of God. You can overcome addiction if you'll get addicted to the church of God. You can overcome a, a, addiction if you'll get addicted to gospel music. You can overcome addiction if you'll get addiction to the Bible and to old-fashioned Bible preaching. You can overcome addiction if you'll get addicted to Jesus Christ. Bottom line, you need to quit whining about yourself and turn to Jesus Christ and say this sin's not getting it. And you need to say not only is this sin not getting it, this sin's not getting me. I'm done. I'm about to take your 15 minutes away, a piece of it anyway. <laughs> before I got saved, before I got saved, before I got saved, I was a drunk. I wasn't an alcoholic because alcoholics have to attend them stupid meetings. I was a drunk. You say, what do you mean? I would drink myself sober. I was a drunk. I'd wake up in the morning and drink. I'd go to the liquor store and get me a bottle of clear vodka because you know nobody can smell that. 
And I'd drink beer and chase it with clear vodka because nobody could tell I was drunk. Nobody could smell me. Wrong. And I'd drink. And I'd drink all day from breakfast to bedtime. If I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, which was often, I had a Budweiser bladder. I'd get up in the night, and then if I'd get up in the night, I'd reach over on the nightstand, and I'd get me a drink. All the time, my beautiful wife laying beside me, Judy. She married me knowing I was a drunk. But she saw beyond that. She saw what I could be in Christ. And when Jesus saved me, I was three weeks under conviction. Three weeks under conviction. I smoked, I drank, everything. I cussed. Three weeks under conviction. For three weeks, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I didn't drink. I didn't cuss. I didn't, you know, I hit every altar I could find. I sought God. I followed Jesus Christ as much as I could. Read everything I could read about God, about Jesus Christ. And God transformed my life. Till suddenly, three weeks later, it dawns on me. I have forgotten to drink. I have forgotten to cuss. I have forgotten to be vulgar. I've forgotten. I just forgot it. You know why? Because I was too involved and too enamored with the person of Jesus Christ. You want to overcome addiction? Get involved and get enamored with Jesus Christ. Get involved with Jesus Christ. Hello. Amen. I want you to say from your heart right now, I'm healed. Say it right now from your heart, I'm healed. Say it again, I'm healed. Say it again, I'm healed. Can you say that again? I'm healed. And whatever you're struggling with, say I'm I'm healed. And I have stayed healed. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo! Praise the Lord. Thank God for genealogies. When you get home tonight and get ready for bed, you men pull out your Bible and say, honey, I want to read to you the genealogies. <laughs> or, or, or you could do this, men. Hand it to your wife and say, here, I, I'm having trouble seeing. Would you read it for me? <laughs> read the genealogies. Because in every name is a story. And you can be part of the story. It makes no difference how bad you've been. It makes no difference what you, where you've come from. This is a generation of Jesus Christ. Woo! Hallelujah! That, you know, that just has power in it. This is a generation of Jesus Christ. It's also the generation I believe is going to be caught up to meet him in the air. 
Stand with me. Josh is going to come and bring a song. We're glad you came. Now, would you do that tonight when you get ready? And you say, I don't have a husband, don't have a wife. Then look in the mirror and say, I'm going to read to you the, the genealogies. Amen? Because one day, Matthew's going to ask you, in heaven, did you read my book? And you're going to say, yeah. He said, did you read my genealogy of Jesus Christ? And you're going to say, mm, I'm in heaven, right? No. Pastor did. He said, we miss so much by not preaching through the Bible. We, we miss so much. There's just so much stuff there. And I want to say, you are part of the generation of Jesus Christ. I'm going to give you an invitation, and here it is. Come, Jesus Christ is saying, come, follow me. That's your invitation. Jesus Christ is saying to you, as he did Matthew, come, follow me. Would you do that? You're in addiction? Come, follow me. You're sick? Come, follow me. You're troubled? Come, follow me. Do it now. As Josh sings.